Good day. I am Dr. Lisa, the President and CEO of Parents Anonymous, Inc., one of the oldest family strengthening and well-being organizations in America, started in Los Angeles in 1969. We operate the California Parent and Youth Helpline. That's for any parent or youth or anybody concerned about a parent or youth who can call to get emotional support 12 hours a day, seven days a week from 8 to 8 at 855-427-2736. And you can also go to our website and live chat us at any time. We've had kids as young as six and seven live chatting us about our problems, as well as parents, grandparents, and friends of people who are parents calling out and reaching out because they wanted support, they wanted to help somebody or help themselves. And that's what we're here about. No blame, no shame, support. Because without support, people don't ask for help. And in our world, we believe that asking for help is a sign of strength. So thank you very much for joining us today, John. Well, it's a pleasure and to so, be here. Absolutely. So why don't you start in and talk about how does the whole mental health, even the topic of mental health, uh, affect you? Sure. Well, I'm John Asher, and um, I am a songwriter, and I use music as a way to express my you know, healing and my emotions and relationships, friendships, you know, just my everyday life experiences. Uh, mental health is something that everybody deals with, right? So whether you're going through a breakup, whether you're going through hardships, whether it's financial, whether it's something, something can send you spiraling at any moment. And having mental health uh, outlets like Parents Anonymous are a great way to uh, cope and deal with some of those emotions that you might not be able to figure out. Um, being in the music industry, I've encountered so many different uh, artists and so many different people behind the mic, in front of the mic, behind the board, in front of the board, and just, you know, dealing with a, a variety, a spectrum of emotions and things that they're working through. And it's a really intimate process writing a song, so you get to know people. Um, but it's been, it's been a pleasure working with a lot of different, different uh, known and unknown artists and experiencing and hearing about what they go through in their own personal lives and helping them document it through music. So do you think there's stigma out there that people don't want to talk about what's really bothering them? Absolutely. Or they don't want to share because they feel judged? Maybe their career, they have a mask on. We were talking about that, Mike and I. Um, or people expect them to be happy all the time when maybe they're not really happy, even though they may be successful in an industry as competitive as the music industry, right? Right, well, in the world of celebrity and music, they expect you to be the image that you're always portraying, right? And it's the superhero, larger than life character that everybody loves and you, you'd never have a bad day. Hey. <laughs> yeah. But that's just not the case, especially in Hollywood. And you know, I've dealt with artists like a, a dear friend of mine who recently passed named Aaron Carter. He grew up as a child superstar um, dealt with a variety of, of stigmas, whether it's, you mentioned him at, uh, you know, recently and people think, oh yeah, that 15 year old kid. And you're like, well, he's not 15 anymore. He's 30, you know, or he's 33. And, and, uh, so you kind of always have to live up to other people's expectations in the music industry. Right. Um, like I said, it's a great way for me to help people organize their thoughts and get to know their life experiences and use music as the outlet and as the canvas to really paint their thoughts and emotions in a way that the public can get to know them better, so. Exactly. And I think that when people do reach out and ask for help, they are worried about what people are saying and we need to keep encouraging that. So we are models to so our friends, our families, neighbors, other people. You know, you know when you smile at me, smile at me, I'm gonna smile back. It's got a good you, smile. <laughs> you smile at me, I'm gonna smile back. And we have all released 
critical endorphins in our brain right now, which is going to help us through the rest of this day, whether it's a long day, whether you have to have a long drive or whatever. And those simple things in life we talk a lot about because in Parents Anonymous, we also have a support group. It's free. It's two hours a week. It's online. It's convenient. You can go to the website, sign up. And people build community because we feel so isolated. And then people can come to group and say, you know, it's not only my kid that's driving me nuts. My boyfriend broke up with me. You know, I, I feel like a failure at work. I'm not sure where I'm going. And people talk about all these feelings. And as humans, we're a bottle. We're just a bunch of human emotions and we need to get them out. You know, I used to say to my kids, um, when life, life doesn't go like a bowl of cherries, it goes more like this and this. And when you're on the downswing, two things you gotta remember. You gotta pick yourself up and you gotta figure out how to move forward. Because some people, parents are picking themselves up. They're cooking dinner, they're going to work, but they're still deeply sad or they have an addiction problem that they haven't really addressed or they don't feel anybody will listen to them or they feel like the cops might be called, especially if you're black or brown in this country. If you have a problem and you go to the emergency room and you have kids, you're gonna be first be judged for everything that's going on. And I think that's a real problem. And I think like what you're saying about Aaron, that people were, I mean, I think it's great for people to feel good about music and celebrities and say, um, People have brought light into my life, you know, and that feels so good for what the song you wrote. I maybe I probably listened to many songs you wrote, but I don't even know who you are as a person. But that song has brought joy. And we know that even when I sing out of tune, that's good for my body. Even when I dance, not so great is for my body. Even when I laugh or I hug people, it's really good for my mental health. And so all those things are simple, cost free, don't have to go to an expert. Don't have to go to college or a training still. Just, you need to do it more frequently. So how do you approach like self-care since you're dealing with a lot of artists, you, you've had a, a very close um, friend die. Um, you know, how, how did that affect you? Well, it affects me in multiple ways and it definitely affects my mental health when I see people around me uh, perishing from whether it's overdosing on drugs or whether they're taking their own lives. I've experienced both. And um, a great outlet for my life has always been the gym. Uh, it's just a place where I can go and kind of just get out the energy that I need to get out. Like you said, smiling, it releases endorphins, but so does working out. Oh, absolutely. You know? And I come across so many really, really talented people at the gym who use that as their, their stress relief, their, their way of getting out emotion. And a lot of times it comes out in the form of throwing weight around, you know, it's like it's kind of an anger, but it's, it's more of just like a controlled anger, you know, but it's, it's a good way to, um, to funnel that into something productive and build yourself while you're doing it. I think exercise is a great example and you don't have to be, you know, lifting 100 pound weights. You can take a long walk and take one with your kids or find a friend to take a walk. Going outside and even being out in nature every day, 15 minutes, oh, yeah. affects our mental health. And I think that finding what works for you is so important, don't you think? Mike? I agree. Uh, I try to do things without expectation. For me, weight, going to the gym, I'm trying to lose weight. So maybe not losing the weight I need to creates the expectation, which might actually create a little bit more uh, self-doubt. I'm not doing this right, and then there's all the other things that creep in. So I think for people that, that, that have expectation of what the outcome should be, I think that creates a huge 
issue as far as like, you know, so, so yeah, taking a walk and just going and doing something, you know, like I said, just playing video games with my kids and having that, you know, the, those outlets, anything that you can do, I feel like without expectation attached to it will help you through that process for sure. Cause your mind's turning off. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And I was going to ask you about that. Um, because you do see a lot of artists that are coming up, up and coming. And then you have, like you were saying, Aaron, you know, he watched his brother go to the top of the moon, you know, um, and I'm sure he had expectation of where his career would go and where it would land. How much of that played into his adulthood, uh, I guess, realizing what he is expected, I would assume, from, you know, watching his brother go there and expecting, okay, this is where my, my career is going to go. How much did that played into his adulthood? and the way he carried himself Oh, it through. absolutely made an impact on him throughout his childhood into his, you know, early 30s when he passed away. Because he was big, too. I mean, that's not... He was massive, he yeah. He was massive. He and, was big um, as, you know... But he always big. told me, you know, in the beginning days, people kind of looked at him as like a mini Backstreet Boy. Yeah. And his brother was from the Backstreet Boys, who's still wildly successful and, and doing amazing in his own world. But, like, not just with Aaron or Nick, even Britney Spears and her sister and other artists you know, Jessica Simpson and her sister, you're always kind of living in some sort of a shadow and to have to live up to somebody else's success yeah, is absolutely. just a monumental amount of responsibility for a young child to even fathom, you know, right. to conceive that you have to be something like that at that age. I think it's fun in the beginning, but as you realize somebody's always going to kind of move it, move the target for you, yes. uh, you're always going to be like chasing that bag in the wind, you know? And so... I think it's important for people to remember that you really, as a child star, you have this idea of the world, but then when you finally experience it yeah. and you're not living up to what your expectation was and maybe you don't reach that, that level of superstardom that Michael Jackson was, right. you know? Uh, Michael Jackson, by the way, guys. Right. Well, and you know, Michael actually uh, named Aaron the young Prince of Pop. Oh, really? So, The Little Prince of Pop, yeah. Gotcha. Wow. And they made a documentary off of, uh, off of that recently about Aaron. And, and so that's just such a huge title to live up to, right? And when it doesn't come to pass in the way that you might have expected it to, not just in music, but think about in business and think about in school and even just on a younger level. Oh, yeah. Kids who their dad was a lawyer, but yet they're not on that same path, you right. know? And they can't quite meet up those expectations. That's a lot of responsibility to now find your root in life, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. I think you make a really good point because we as parents really need to be careful. Are we putting our dreams on our kids or are we listening to who they are? So, especially if you have more than one. This child might have this talent. That child might have that talent. This child might go to college, be very academic. This child might be really mechanical and needs to learn a trade to use those skills. And I think that that pressure it's put on by the outside, by the family, by other people. And Michael Jackson says that about you, my God. Well, if I don't make it, then I, I failed Michael Jackson. That, that is like huge. And I don't, I don't know Michael Jackson, but I would say as, as a clinician that he probably didn't intend to be hurtful to somebody who maybe couldn't achieve that because all the controls are not in that person's control. I mean, they might be a beautiful songwriter, a beautiful singer, but not make it that way, right? Because there are all these other factors involved in life. And I think, you know, understanding um, what life is about. Hopefully people have parents to fall back on. But some people are on their own. 
kids and they don't have family, and then they seek family from other friends, or they're looking for role models, they might get a manager or somebody, a promoter who helps them, and um, the whole time they're, you know, if they're doubting themselves, do they really want to tell anybody? Because if they said to somebody, hey, you know, I don't know if I can be what Michael Jackson thinks I can be, what are people going to think about me? And that pressure keeps building. I mean. More recently, we've heard athletes talk about their mental health. Oh, my goodness. Right? A athletes huge. saying, wasn't it uh, Simone Biles? Oh, Simone Biles, or, yeah. and, and it was also another gymnast who said, I'm, I'm not in the right mindset today to safely do this. And people were horrified. And I'm like, wait a minute. She's opening up that whole idea of stigma, saying, you might see me as this incredible athlete, this incredible songwriter, DJ, or whatever, but I'm first a person. And I got feelings and thoughts and things are happening to me all the time. And I have a right to say, hey, this is not self today. It just, you know, Michael Phelps talked about his depression afterwards. He didn't talk about he was winning all those gold medals too much, you know, and maybe because he thought people would be judging him. And, you know, our prior guest, Amina, was talking about when she was on a reality show, people were judging him. People are so harsh. And how do you build up this, um, while you're on your creative journey, how do you build this... Um, boundary around you that doesn't shut you out, but protects you. I mean, isn't that a hard balancing act? You know, keeping yourself surrounded with good people, um, not yes men, but good people, because sometimes you need to be told no, you know? I mean, if you're always constantly being told yes and everything you're doing is wonderful and this, that does affect you when you don't do something so wonderful and nobody really agrees with you and all of a sudden you're like, ah, why am I thinking, why, why do I think of myself this way? But, and so you don't have a problem doing that with people when you're producing music. I'm, well, I'm in an interesting position because when I'm producing music, I'm doing a lot of vocal production. And you mentioned singing a wrong note. If you sing a wrong note, I'm the first person to say, ah, do it again, ah, do it again, you know, because uh, I don't want to have to fix it later. <laughs> so, uh, which is a thing, you know, but uh, at the same time, I think it's good to hear and bump up against those boundaries where you need to be reeled back in a little bit because I think that that strengthens you as an artist as a singer, as a person, as an athlete, you're definitely somebody who needs to be kind of coached, you know, um, and to get the best version of yourself. So it's not a bad thing to be told no or told you're wrong in certain instances, but you know, there's gentle ways to do things, but um, also there's ways that, you know, you need to hear certain things as well, so. I think it's creation. I think you end up with creation. Uh, you, you, you zero in on your creation you know what it is you want to do, and, and I think it's difficult for people to tell you from the outside, nah, go this way, go that way, you know? That actually becomes part of it, the issue as well, while you're sitting, trying to get some, something done, and trying to get something that no one else has. I don't hear anything you have going on in your head. There's no way in the world I can know that until you put it out on, on, a, on a paper or a track. So I think a, a lot of people have that, that stigma, especially when you're talking about athletes. I go into the gym every day, for five hours a day or go on the field every day and I put this work in, how much can you possibly tell me about my trade, right? Unless you create that community of people you trust that can give you pointers here, it can give you workouts or whatever the case is. It makes it a little easier to have the conversation. So like we were saying before, community is everything when you're talking about, it takes, it takes a village, it really does. Exactly. And kids today, you know, all these influences through social media and music and I saw, did you see the uh, special that Dionne Warwick did? I didn't, I missed that. Oh my God. And she brought, you you need to watch it because she made this point where she brought in three rappers. I can't remember. I I think it was Snoop Dogg and a few others. And she asked them point blank to call her a bitch. 
<laughs> and they were horrified that she's the queen of. Yeah, you don't talk to Dion. And you don't like talk that. to Dion. Dion. She exercise. says, that's what you talk. That's how you talk about women. So I want you to call me. Wow. And she challenged them to say, you are demeaning women and you're demeaning women who are black like me, the way you talk. And they talked in the documentary about how it influenced them as rappers. So I highly recommend people to watch that because um, not just her journey, she was an incredible advocate for others. You know, she wasn't gonna stand for being ripped off. I mean, she was a talent, but how people handled her and everything. But it was an interesting thing to sort of see the dynamic between generations about, do you understand the message you're sending? It's like, there's good parts of social media, right? Can, you can stay connected, but there's bad parts. We're just talking about like, when should kids get cell phones that have social media? You know, the Surgeon General came back out, the US Surgeon General saying, you know, kids should be like 15. I forgot what he said, but it was a high teenage number recently and saying, and some parents are saying, I'm gonna give you a flip phone so I can call you, but I don't want you going on the internet. <coughs> and so all those influences, they're around all of us and they shape us. I mean, people think that social media is controlling every, once you scroll I'll for tell something. tell you what, man. I, in my field, I'm, I, you know, I've played some of the biggest rooms. I've played in, uh, in front of the biggest people. I've seen the most money spent. And I tell you, that social media thing, if I don't get a like on a picture, or if I drop a, say for instance, I'm getting in production, if I do start getting into that and I drop that and I don't get the, the amount of views and listens, it does start playing on my psyche. It does play on my myth. Like, am I really cut out for this? You know, but I think it's just about mental fortitude and, and creating a consistency. So I think 15 probably is about the, the sweet spot. I think that you start learning that at 15 years old, but you know, teach is on. Well, you also talked about as adults that we need to keep our ears and eyes open, whether we're a parent or not. Absolutely. And if we see a kid in trouble or, um, you know, create an opportunity to mentor other kids, to be a role model to somebody who might be interested in music and what that whole world is about, you know, that loving guidance, whether they're related to you or not, is so important. You know, that safe guidance and everything. And, you know, you talk about the likes, you know, there have been studies about kids who say, well, I posted a picture of myself and nobody liked me, and they go into deep depression. There's been bullying, you know. I mean, social media has um, created another avenue for social bullying. Mm -hmm. Taking a pic of somebody that's inappropriate and then sending it to everybody in your school. And then the kid is so depressed they don't want to go to school and they might end up killing themselves. I mean, we got some serious stuff we got to attach to. So we as adults, I think, you know, um, we're the guidance for them. And whether you have friends that are parents, or thinking about being parents or saying, oh my God, you know, this is a real hard thing to do. I don't know how to do it. They can even reach out and ask for help. If they're supporting, um, if you have a brother or sister, if you're an aunt or uncle, or you have a cousin who just had a child, maybe they're really young, you know, and they had a child really young and they're kind of lost. Tell them to call the helpline. It's there to get that support. No blame, no shame, whatever they need to deal with. And they can call as much as they want. There's no restriction. They can also join a support group that's free, online, accessible, and done in English and Spanish. On our helpline, we can speak up to 240 languages. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, we have a translation services. And even if you have a hearing impairment, we can, um, we have a sign, a person who does sign language to translate. So we wanna create, remove all the barriers, you know, promote all the positive stuff, the smiling, the laughing, the hugging, and also that community piece that, um, you know, when people go to the gym and they look at each other, I um, mean, they think, oh my God, look at him, he's 
pushing those weights or people when I was trying to lose weight, I, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want anybody to see me and what am I what am I wearing? What am I doing? And I want to go to class. I want somebody to tell me what to do so I can leave, etc. So all those things, but basically as human beings, breaking the stigma is so important that people can talk about this. So you don't know the next time you say to a musician or you're DJing to somebody, say, hey, that, that's great. People take that to heart. And even when you're critical and saying, hey, you need to change that. No, you need to do it better. It's like, wow, you're protecting them for making a mistake that maybe will make the song wrong. So all that help is part of our community. So I wanna thank you all for being here today on the podcast. Please share the helpline cards, the number, the website on your social media. We really appreciate it because people feel, you know, they don't yeah. want to tell anybody they got a problem. So when somebody says, hey, do you got a problem, reach out. You know, it doesn't matter what the problem is. And it could be you're the grandmother and you live in Texas and you're worried about your niece or nephew who live in Napa. Doesn't matter. Parents Anonymous. Yeah. It was a name that came up in the 60s. We're not a 12-step program. We're an evidence-based program that the federal government deems to be the only program in the country that improves parenting, improves mental health, successfully deals with substance abuse and child safety, and is for parents with any age child. So we don't have restrictions, and we have many people of different ethnic backgrounds who attend Parents Anonymous groups, and we have groups that are totally in Spanish and totally in English. That's amazing. Yeah, well, we've been around for you. Do. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your time with us Absolutely. and spreading the word and helping bring music to life, which I think is so important to feel our hearts and souls. So thank you. Thank you. Take care.